Influence follows trust, right? Somebody that you truly deeply trust, they accept you for who you are. And because they accept you for who you are, ironically, they're the most likely to change you. This is Butterfly Let's Talk from Butterfly, your national voice for body image issues and eating disorders. I'm Sam Eichen, and I'm really glad that you're here. There is no instance where it's appropriate to comment on a child's weight or appearance. Yeah, tell them that they look great today because of their smile, or just tell them that you love them for who they are. This episode is about body image, but more specifically, about the body image issues that are affecting teenagers in increasing numbers. Every single time they do a national youth survey, body image comes up in like usually the, the top three. Global warming, bullying and body image. What you do and say around other people, especially your own kids and adolescents, really affects them. For kids and young adults, this period of identity formation is typically accompanied by an increase in self-awareness, increased egocentrism, growing independence from parents, and an increased drive to just fit in with your peers. I want to share with you some data here. This is from uh, the World Health Organization. This is a survey of 42 different countries, 200,000 people. And in yeah. every single country surveyed, girls at age 15 were more likely, to bo- more likely than boys to report that they were fat. This is despite the fact that the boys were actually more likely to be overweight. My name's Dr. Justin Coulson. I'm the author of six books about raising happy families and have a PhD in psychology. My wife and I are the parents of six daughters aged from around about grade one up to, well, the oldest has moved out, gotten married, and my currency is helping families to be happier. In fact, research from around the world tells us that From around about the age of five, our girls in particular are concerned about their bodies. Dr. Coulson's one of Australia's leading parenting experts, and with six daughters, he'd have to be. On his website, he says, nope, they're not trying for a boy. He's also very in demand as a public speaker, and he's obviously passionate about helping families. If we look at um, data even, even before those adolescent years, I've got a book that I just... I absolutely treasure this book. It's so well written. It's called Beauty Sick by uh, Dr. Renee Engelm. And Renee says this in her uh, introductory remarks about kids. She says, girls start thinking about their ideal body at a shockingly early age. 34% of five-year-old girls, I'll just say that again for for emphasis, 34% of five-year-old girls engage in deliberate dietary restraint at least sometimes. 28% of these girls, so we're talking about more than a quarter of our five-year-olds, say they want their bodies to look like the women they see in movies and on TV. He's throwing out a lot of stats about girls here, but it doesn't mean that boys are not affected. Body dissatisfaction is not just a fringe issue that affects the odd kid here and there. According to the most up-to-date research, 60% of children, that's 60% of adolescent boys, and around 80% of adolescent girls want to change something about their body. For girls, this tends to be around losing weight, but for boys, 30% seem to want to gain muscle and the other 30% want to lose fat. When I changed into middle school or became around 13, it just all shifted dramatically. Everything was hyper-focused on 
how my skin looked, how my body looked, what people would think about me, um, how I would appear or if I was then worthy enough for different events or different people. I'm Ash, I'm a student and I have been on an ongoing journey with my body and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. As I got older into adolescence, it just was such a high pressure of what I was supposed to be and I felt like I wasn't living up to it. So it just became, I just became from like a free-loving child to just constantly anxious and stressed about just how I looked and like my body and it just became so much pressure. Ashley was a, a beautiful, bubbly little girl and, um, yeah, she, she just enjoyed life and was always, yeah, happy and carefree um, as a youngster. And um, I think growing up, you know, the kids become more self-aware of uh, all the messages around them about weight and um, body image and dieting and all that sort of thing. In case it wasn't obvious enough, this is Ashley's mum. I'm Christine Naismith. I'm the mum of three children. I have two daughters um, and one has recovered from anorexia and the other one has an in disorder called ARFID. The change in her probably occurred when her sister developed anorexia. Ashley was only 10 and I think it's a pretty uh, formative age. Um, and that was probably the first time that something ever occurred to her that there's a problem with um, yeah, dieting and, and weight stigma and all of this stuff. It never occurred to her, I don't think, prior to that. One third of adolescents say they've been teased about their weight. And while a portion of that comes from within the home, up to 60% of it comes from peers. So we were thrown into this really crazy world. Um, but I think that coincided with um, just some, you know, off-the-cuff off jokey remarks from people about her physical appearance that really made her very conscious then about her own body and body image. Adolescence is a period of crazy changes. Our bodies are doing weird things and our self-awareness is hypersensitive and it usually comes with heightened drive to fit in. And we talk a lot about the importance of the language we use or the little offhand comments that people in a position of influence might make. One of the clearest memories I have that shaped how I felt about my body for years to come came from a PE teacher when I was in grade six. I was about 12 years old, maybe 11 years old. He said, if you can grab more than a handful of fat from your stomach, you're overweight and you need to do something about it. So I knew that he was talking about me. I was the chubby kid. I was painfully aware of that. So he'd made his point. I got it. I understood what he was saying. But he hadn't finished. He then pointed his finger and he said, and I'm talking about you, you and you. And I was the first one that he pointed at. And I just remember sitting on the concrete floor, I went cold. And almost everyone who has body image issues has a similar story to tell. The one that I kind of see as my snowball effect moment is I was in grade five and was at a ski class. We went to um, the snow and she was in a ski class and... Um, a little boy who she didn't know um, was picking on her and um, called her something like a, a fatty beef patty or something like that, and she was really upset by it. This little boy in my class 
decided to call me a fat patty burger. I also, my whole childhood had been told, you're a stick, you're as skinny as a noodle, you're, um, you're so tiny, and like in a praising way. And to be then called in front of everyone a fat patty burger, it just kind of shattered my confidence. I was just didn't under, I just didn't even notice that people looked at my body. I didn't even notice that that was a, something you should like that people would judge. Chatting to her last night to hear that it's has stuck with her since then has really upset me. It was a shock to me because I was only eleven that someone could be so openly rude and make a comment like that. And I remember going home crying to mum and just all through my issues with food and my body, fat patty burger, like that instance just stuck with me. Just one person being rude and like just saying something so absentmindedly, like it wouldn't affect his day at all, just could wreck my mindset for years to come. It just was awful feels like it's just kind of in a way tainted my personality. It's just um, whenever I'm having bad weeks or bad moments of body, like body positivity, it is just, oh, even when you were little, people could see that you were fat. Even when you were little, people saw that your eating was going to cause this look at you now. They were right kind of thing. And it's just, it's amazing to me how long a few words can just stick with a person. The constant upward trend in body image concerns among Australia's teens is a major concern for lots of Australia's health professionals. There's this whole idea that we, 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 we simply need to educate people because as soon as we kind of educate people about healthy eating, suddenly they'll all magic their way down to a BMI of 18 to 25, which is it's just total BS. I'm Louise Adams. I'm a clinical psychologist and I work in Sydney in Australia. And I've got, um, I've been in private practice for 20 years and my area of special interest is in helping people who are struggling with their uh, size, their weight, body image, eating disorders, all of that kind of stuff. There's this misconception that body image is how much we like what we look like, but it's actually much bigger than that. Body image is actually how we feel about ourselves uh, based on our physical appearance and how that's being treated in the world. So we talk about our weight being tangled up in our worth. But to some extent in diet culture, uh, everyone's worth is tied up in their appearance because we know that humans are pretty judgmental characters when it comes to what we look like. And we're living in a culture that really worships thinness and really doesn't like fatness. So we're hearing a lot about all these risk factors and things that contribute to a negative body image. But one thing that we know can act as a protective factor is positive role modelling. We're talking about parents and carers and the home environment. And it's a significant influence on a child or teen's developing body image. Hi, I'm Jem. I am a 21-year-old student my name's Richard Hensley, um, and I'm Jem's dad, which is probably my greatest claim to fame. When I was probably about 13, maybe, I just started like, I think I was in year seven or eight, I started to really notice that I was like 
a little bit bigger than a lot of the other kids at school and I mean not a lot bigger but just you know I started to compare myself to others and I started to hear not from you but I started to hear a few little behind closed doors conversations from my nana and from my mother you know my nana I think was on the phone she was in another room and she's it's very hurt oh you know might not be worried about it now but when when she gets a little older might you know might affect the um you know interest like boys being interested really shocker it was things like um i went vegetarian went vegetarian gems reasons for that were animal welfare nutrition all of these different reasons i didn't understand at that point that it was restrictive eating we'll come back to gem and richard in just a minute but first let's go back to louise adams she believes that our society's belief structures need to fundamentally change because firstly they're not helpful and secondly they're translating into massive mental health issues even if everybody ate exactly the same we would still have body diversity because bodies are diverse and also bodies enjoy homeostasis which is sort of um, once we're past puberty bodies enjoy weight stability they don't like kind of changing as a parent or carer being this role model that we're supposed to be is easier said than done there are lots of environmental factors that influence body image these days things like social media and diet culture and a lot of these things were things that parents didn't have to deal with themselves the science of puberty may be the same but the environment that it happens in has changed significantly. Like we, well, we had it. We, we didn't have the online stuff, did we? Like I remember the cover of Dolly, and always like remaining mystified as to like who that person was. But um, the, I remember reading a stat about on average, we are exposed to about five thousand photoshopped images of the ideal body per week, and from psychological research we know that just exposure to a few pictures of the ideal body can make women feel terrible about themselves so 5000 a week from like the age of 8 years old 5 6 7 8 years old it it's it's actually incredible i think if we manage to get to adulthood with any kind of um skeric of <laughs> feeling okay about our body with just that kind of onslaught of imaging and then if we think about the coming uh, from the other side, which is all of the um, very hysterical campaigning about the obesity epidemic and how it's very, very important not to get fat, um, there, there's another, there's two very big pressures that are, that are constant. So, And that's what diet culture is. Diet culture is not just the thin ideal and social media. Diet culture is the obesity messaging that we must not be fat. We, we must always be small. This generation has just got an extra layer of pressure, Sam. You know, the social media and mm. the internet has just created almost a monster for, for these children that we never had to experience. You know, everything's in their face the whole time. You know, whether their posts are being liked or whether they're, they're being included in, um, you know, social chats and things like that. There's, there's a whole lot of um, underlying, even bullying that's going on and, and or, um, you know, being left out of things that, that we never knew as kids. Given all of these added pressures and risk factors, Dr. Coulson says having a solid base in the family home is even more important. 
As shame increases, disconnection occurs. As disconnection occurs, unworthiness accrues. And so when a child feels disconnected, shamed and unworthy, they're less likely to take the influence of their parents. In other words, if I'm feeling lousy about myself because my mum's just said that I'm fat and I need to join the gym, I'm probably not going to join the gym. What I'm probably going to do is I'm going to go and buy a packet of TV snacks or a litre of ice cream and I'm going to hide under the dunas, watch Netflix and cry about how I'm not good enough in my parents' eyes. And we've got decades of research that shows that if we want to have influence in our children's lives, particularly when it comes to their weight, the last thing we should be doing is shaming them or pointing it out. I was on national television with a particularly well-known breakfast broadcaster whose name will not be shared on this podcast. And we were talking about this topic. He said to me, but surely, Justin, if you've got a kid who's fat, surely you should let them know. As if they don't know. Is that what and that's, that's what a, I said. I said, believe me, she knows. She doesn't a, need... There's this need idea that fat people need to be told they're fat. From my... Like, as someone who's been fat for, like, you know, on and off for most of my life, is a, a, a phenomenal. Everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. It's everywhere. Look, if they look in the mirror, they'll, they'll know. And, and making them feel shame only creates disconnection. But what about this increasing move towards body positivity that we do see emerging in social media? Well, Dr. Adams has been watching this very closely over the past 10 years or so, and she says it's really encouraging, but it has by no means addressed the problem. There's definitely still a long way to go to um, like the world that I would love to create for our kids, but for all humans, is completely inclusive of body diversity. And that includes bodies that are changing and growing. Certainly there's a lot of peer group pressure and social media has a lot to answer for. Um, and probably even the stuff that they're teaching at schools, you know, you know, health education, they're taught to record what they eat, you know, for a week and things like that. It really doesn't help. You know, she's a lovely kid and she just needs to be accepted and, and everywhere where she turns, she feels she's being judged and that's just wrong. And um, she developed this body dysmorphia. She's a very t- tall, lean girl, but she has this body dysmorphia where she sees something else and it's just tied to a low self-worth, low self-esteem, and that's come from years of hearing these messages which just get reinforced in her head. And the, and the research again highlights, I mean, this is, this is extraordinary to me, Sam, that kids who are between five and nine who are given this kind of verbal diet from their parents. Hey, you're a bit overweight. Hey, you need to lose weight. Hey, you need to do this, do that. You, 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 you're putting on a lot. I mean, come on. Those kids, that casts not just a shadow into the next few years, it casts a shadow throughout their lives. Every time I post about this on Facebook, Sam, my Facebook feed just goes bananas with parents, adults, females in the age, in the age bracket of, say, let's say 30 to 50, who still, who still live with the pain of that. So, if we want to have influence, we've got to get connection right. We've got to help kids feel seen, heard, and valued for who they are. They've got to be accepted because, by the way, the opposite of acceptance, rejection. If you can't accept me, even though I'm a little bit overweight, if you can't accept me, even though my body shape isn't conforming to your ideal or society's ideal, 
then that means you're rejecting me, which means I'm unworthy. So we've got to get the connection right and accept them and love them for who they are, regardless of their physical appearance. Second thing, when we do that, they start to trust us. You think about the people that you have the most trusting relationships with, the people who are most influential in your life, because trust follows, sorry, influence follows trust, right? Somebody that you truly deeply trust, they accept you for who you are. And because they accept you for who you are, ironically, they're the most likely to change you. Why? Because you feel so accepted, you're open to anything that they've got to say. But they don't try to change you because they accept you. But they have the greatest influence. There are lots of ways that people can express themselves in colourful clothing or haircuts or whatever they're into that are nothing about body image, yet they are self-expression and they articulate who you are as a human being. Mm. Far healthier, I think. That's something I've always appreciated uh, about my dad as well. He's never done that, you know, he's never sort of looked at someone and said, oh, you know, that person... Like, wow, she's gotten quite overweight. And oh, he's, you know, he's looking quite old or anything like that. You know, he doesn't assign physical judgments to people. He might be like, oh, that's an interesting combination of, you know, shirt and pants, but he's not going to say, you know, oh, that person looks ugly. My advice for parents would be to like, think about how you think about your body and then think, is that okay if my child thinks that about their body? And if the answer is no, there's some work to do. There's some gaps to fill in because, yeah, the body diverse idea, like the body inclusive, strong body image idea is that um, all bodies are different. All bodies are worth taking care of. What we look like really isn't the important focus here. Brené Brown, who is probably the world's uh, most popular Academic. Dare to lead. Yeah. yeah, yeah, dare to lead, rising strong, all that sort of stuff. Um, in, in her book, Rising Strong, she defines connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel, and I want to say this exactly and precisely, seen, heard, and valued. Now, if I'm a parent and I make a comment like that to my child, she's in her mid-teens, and I'm a caring parent who has the very best of intentions and say, I say, hey, sweetheart, have you noticed you're a bit pudgy lately? You haven't been moving your body much. You're really starting to stack it on. Um, I think that you should join the gym and start moving your body. Does she feel seen, heard and valued in that moment? Does she think to myself, well, gee, I'm really glad that my parents love me so much that they're willing to point out all my flaws. That's not what she thinks. She thinks I'm invisible, except when someone wants to point out my flaws. I don't have a voice because of being trampled by my parents telling me what to do. And my value, well, my value is obviously intrinsically related to my physical appearance. My physical appearance is crap. So therefore, what's the point? I would just advise for parents to never comment on weight or food. Um, Even if it's a compliment, sometimes being complimented for being your weight and being skinny, that then makes an association of, oh, they love me with my weight. So I, I just cannot stress enough, just never, there is no instance where it's appropriate to comment on a child's weight or appearance. Yeah, tell them that they look great today because of their smile or they, just tell them that you love them for 
who they are and do not put any value to the us number on a scale or how their body looks. For anyone interested in finding out more about creating a body kind environment in your home, support is available at Body Kind Families. It's a new free butterfly initiative providing resources and important tips for parents of teenagers to help them develop a positive body image and be more kind to their bodies. The resources have been developed by Butterfly and leading body image experts, and they're based around topics that parents of teens have said were important to them. If you jump onto the website, butterfly.org.au slash bodykindfamilies, you'll find videos, tips, sheets, family activities, and more. All you need to do is sign up, and we send an email linking you to all of those great resources. If you need support for an eating disorder, you can call the Butterfly National Helpline over the phone on 1-800-334673. That's 1-800-ED-HOPE. Or go to butterfly.org.au. There you'll find heaps of resources. To find out more about any of our guests, particularly the experts, jump into the show notes and we'll have all the links to where you can find out more about what they do. The Butterfly Podcast is an Icon Media production for Butterfly Foundation. With special thanks in this episode to Dr. Justin Coulson and Dr. Louise Adams. And for so bravely sharing their stories, Ashley and Christine and Jem and Richard, thank you so much. And if you want to support the Butterfly Let's Talk podcast, the only thing that we ask is that you tell somebody who you think could benefit from it. And also, if you could leave us a review and rate us as many stars as you think appropriate... I'd suggest five on whatever platform that you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple, iTunes. We'd really appreciate that too.